Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. Welcome to Buzzed in Baltimore, the podcast about the craft beverage industry in Baltimore. This is episode 23, and I am here with Gina Netasinga, the lead bartender at Wit & Wisdom in Four Seasons, Baltimore. That was a mouthful, but I think I said it all right. <laughs> Gina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure. Awesome. Um, so I know that you've kind of bounced around Baltimore a bit, and mm-hmm. um, this isn't your first gig here, but I sort of wanted to rewind all the way back. Um, tell me about your background and where you're from originally and where you grew up. So I grew up between Southside Chicago, so Cicero, and Bangkok, and more specifically, Salat Bui, which is about 45 minutes northeast. Of Bangkok. Of Bangkok. Got it. Um, my parents split when I was young, so I did a lot of traveling back and forth within the two continents and kind of around both countries as well. Um, outside of that, I've probably lived in 20 different cities that span the globe. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. I have... Born in Baltimore, grew up in Baltimore, <laughs> live in Baltimore. I sound very boring. But Baltimore's awesome, though. It, Baltimore is pretty awesome. But how how has, you know, being from Bangkok sort of informed you as, like, a person and as a bartender? Like, do you think about it every single day, or is it just kind of inherently in you? I think that, you know, as a lot of, you know, I, I think one of the terminologies is, like, parachute kids. Hmm. Like, as one of those, you, growing up in the States, you start to kind of push away culturally from your roots gotcha. but as I got older and older and was more immersive within my own culture I have come to grow and to and my nationality is a part of my identity and I'm absolutely proud of it every single day you're like re-embracing it a yes, little bit would absolutely. you say that's it I feel like that happens to all of us like we don't think our parents are quite as lame mm-hmm. we don't think our neighborhood's quite as lame like we sort of come back around to it but right I can imagine it's like even more exemplified with nationality and being so far. Um, So how, maybe this is a dual part question, but like how did you get into the crazy world of hospitality? And then also how did that get you to Baltimore? So initially I grew up, both sides of my family are heavily involved in food and beverage. Okay. So we own and operate restaurants on both sides. On my mom's side, who I'm closer to, my auntie or one of them um, my mom is the youngest out of eight children so this is the oldest sibling and she has been in the planning committee or what's known as the executive committee for one of the major hotels in Bangkok for 10 million years now (laughs) (laughs) approximately approximately so as a child I actually came up in the back of house in hotels and in restaurants as I got older I wanted to do everything except food and beverage. Right. <laughs> like we were just saying, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I was like, no, I see what it does to people. And they do, you know, like this kind of craziness that you have to have among you, or like about you and the yeah. energy and the drive. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to be a fireman, president, <laughs> governor, <laughs> all the things, I've, any of them. But as I graduated high school and was looking for like my, even before I graduated high school, really, my first job was 15 in a, in a pizza shop, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But as I got older and over, you know, you kind of, you fall back on it because it's, it is fast cash. It's easy money, you know, for me. And I always say this, food and beverage is not, is not rocket science. 
there's a series of steps. It can be executed very well. It can be executed very poorly. But in the end, you're not serving. You're not solving the world's problems. Right. But so, you are busting your ass. Yes, you are busting your ass <laughs> constantly. Yeah. So again, like I, I leaned back on it as I was in college, and and somehow in that process, I started to understand that this is what has been ingrained in me in my entire life. <laughs> And why was it that even though I didn't want to do something, was I so comfortable in the position? And why was I so comfortable with guests? And why was I so comfortable behind a bar? And then I realized it's because it is actually who I am. Right. Like for me, my family, myself, my team even here now, which is like now speaking to 30-something years of, of a span, but we embody hospitality. Mm. And I think hospitality is one of those things that you cannot teach. Right, you either have it or you don't. Exactly. Yeah. What do you? What is it that, like, uh, saying you embody hospitality? Is it like generosity? Is it social skills? For is me, it- I have an innate desire to, if I could, I would curate an experience for every single guest because mm. that's what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Is seeing other people happy, and knowing that you can actually do that for someone is there's for me there's nothing like it yeah it's incredibly special you would throw like a killer dinner party at, like at your house right <laughs> i have <laughs> i'm sure you have no but that would be a party i'd want to go to <laughs> the next one you're invited awesome awesome <laughs> invites on deck i think that goes to all of the listeners as well i think you just invited everybody over. everybody <laughs> um so going back to that what brought you to baltimore specifically my sister oh okay. my baby sister who is uh 12 years my junior so i had a very like a strong hand in her upbringing. My dad is still active duty army. So when she was quite young, like very young, toddler-ish, mm-hmm. uh, he did three back-to-back tours, Bosnia, Afghanistan, Iraq. So it was me and my mom who were really close and kind of had a heavy hand in bringing her up. So now that my dad is currently stationed in Cameroon hmm. and my mom, the intent was for her to be working in Korea by the end of the year. and everyone that we were close to would essentially be off of this continent I wanted to be closer to her and this is also her last year at Johns Hopkins pre-med so I wanted to be here kind of shepherding a little bit if you will and just offering whatever support I can like she is the most important person to me in my life that's so sweet well not only are you on the same continent you made it in the same (laughs) city so that's pretty good I did I feel good about that she must be psyched that you're here she yeah and she's awesome she just wrapped uh MCATs Oh, my so. God. She probably wants a drink or two with wisdom, I think. <laughs> yeah, but she graduated from high school early, so she's not even 21. Oh, my God. She's like a prodigy. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Very much That's so. That's amazing. Very much so. So what were your perceptions of Baltimore like before you came here, and have they kind of grown and evolved? I think that they were very much in line with what I thought they would be. Okay. Having spent time in D.C., having grew up on the south side of Chicago, like any other kind of I'm not sure what the best term of it would be, but kind of like a mini metropolis. Yeah. You know, it has its pockets like any other places. There's neighborhoods that you want to be in. There's some neighborhoods that maybe you don't want to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, The food and beverage scene kind of pops in certain areas of the city. Uh, You know, housing is different in every place. Every neighborhood is different. Um, And I, the only thing that I think I wasn't, or that's happening that I didn't necessarily uh, expect is that there are like legitimate cocktail and cocktail bars and restaurants in hmm. the city. That was a surprise to you. Well, it was a surprise, absolutely. Yeah. There's people with integrity and backbone and that 
do what they believe and what they stand for, and I and I can appreciate that. Yeah. So for a city as, as small as Baltimore mm-hmm. in size, that's what you're surprised. Yes. About. That's really cool. Yeah. The cocktail coming as this podcast has proven time and time again, the community here is so tight knit, mm-hmm. um, so close, and just like Baltimore feels like a small town, like so does that cocktail community a little bit, Absolutely. and it's that's really cool. Um, so if you could describe your like style as a bartender, what would you say? I know that's probably kind of an annoying question, but what, not, would, what would you say? Um, it's not, I think for me, one of the things that maybe sets me and kind of there's a certain group of us that have the same mentality is that I believe in the art of bartending mm. versus what is coined as mixology. Oh, yeah. again it goes back to I believe in creating a guest experience and really it's that's I will go above and beyond and do whatever it takes to make a guest happy are there certain like rituals you have like if a guest sits down you always do blank there are steps of service that are followed that are wit and wisdom uh, Michael Mina and Four Seasons standards that we operate and then I give flexibility for the entire team to express themselves and their personality because I do not want robots mm-hmm. I like people with personality I like a team that that's why the way that we hire it's to be cohesive like where there are shortcomings there's someone that is stronger in that area right um, and I kind of believe that's how you should build a team me personally I am passionate creative um do you like say like I mean, some people are I'm more know. of a classically trained bartender okay. if anything yeah I'm yeah. not I don't need to be constantly like infusing my scotch with cheese <laughs> and like setting the entire bar top on fire and like throwing cinnamon in people's faces like that's right. not really my style you're not in it for the uh, snapchat <laughs> no or the I, I don't I don't yeah. do it for the gram <laughs> Um, and, but, so where, where did you work in Baltimore before here? Cause obviously coming to such a large hotel and a large corporation, it's mm-hmm. got to have some adjustments. You were saying there's standards you have to follow. And mm-hmm. so talk about where you were before and kind of how you have been adjusting to this. Um, well, luckily I actually did the opening for Ducasse at the St. Regis in DC. Okay. So I'm familiar with like hyperfine dining and standard of operations and kind of, you know, the steps of service that go into like tailoring to this level of clientele. Yeah. Um, but I did come from Shea Hugo. I did the opening for them right. and I set up their uh, cocktail program and decided to part ways kind of within the first quarter for that. And I just felt like Four Seasons and Wit and Wisdom was stylistically a better fit just overall. Yeah, with all your hotel experience mm-hmm. from a, being a baby. <laughs> now, I mean, you literally grew up in hotels. Absolutely. That, that couldn't hurt your chances, I wouldn't think. Um, so, and you talked about this a little bit with building your team, but what changes did you try to implement with the Four Seasons team? And what, you know, it, it must be, as with any new job, you want to come in and, you know, put your stamp on it, but not mm-hmm. be, you know, let everyone's personality shine and, mm-hmm. and everything too. Um, I think the team was already strong um some decisions had to be made to i don't think cleaning house maybe is the best term for it but just to kind of righten the ship yeah a little bit um so some adjustments were made when i came on for that there's just other things like technique wise for bartending that we implemented standardized pours and stirring techniques standardized uh reverse egg white like dry shakes like just kind of small that details stuff that you're exactly about. Very exactly cool. And it, but it seems like 
um, you have that background, but then you, I mean, when I first tried your cocktails, they were, you were doing a lot of really, I hate to say the word trendy because that downplays it, but stuff that I'm seeing on in national, you know, right. cocktail bars and national media, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, duck washes, stuff like that, mm-hmm. that, um, Baltimore's starting to see, but mm-hmm. I feel like you were, you were already there. Right. So that's kind of cool. You have that classical background, but there's also some inventive, innovative spirit there, right. which is a nice balance. I really enjoyed doing that as well. For me, every day, if I'm not learning and I'm not growing, I'm not pushing myself enough. Right. And I feel that same way about through my service, through the cocktail menu, through the team. You know, guided education and learning is a huge thing for me. Um, As far as, like, working with newer products and kind of being on trend, I think that is important in today's climate. It might not necessarily be what I would do at home Mm -hmm. or in my own At your dinner party. Mm -hmm. Um, At my dinner party. (laughs) My 10,000 person dinner party. (laughs) Um, But it is, it's important to stay relevant in, in, in the scene now. You know, you can't take away from social media and all All the things, all the things. Absolutely. It's true. Um, So what are sort of your favorite cocktail trends right now? And are there any that you just can't stand that are just for, for fluff and, (laughs) people aren't doing it for the right reasons I guess um I'm super into session cocktails Mm -hmm. super into that I'm actually going to be doing a kitchen table series here nice um which will be a ticketed event which I would love to have you attend um when is that gonna be doing uh we're not sure about that at this time but yeah Christina from PR said it's probably September. <laughs> She's also at the table. <laughs> so probably September. Great. So people can look out for that. Yeah. We're going to do, it'll probably be a set of three cocktails and I'll show you how to build and kind of the concept behind everything and running through the descriptions and understanding why but low ABV cocktails are as awesome as they are. They're lower proof. Yes. And you can have a little more of They're them. balanced. They're fun. You can have it in your hand and like you can literally drink it all day long. Not, I'm going to have... Three and a half mm-hmm. old fashions, and then maybe a vestibule, and now I'm dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For like two days. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting. It seems in general, I mean, session beers are more trendy, mm-hmm. and also, you know, uh, mocktails and like holistic and healthful drinks mm-hmm. are more trendy. It seems like people are kind of caring a little bit more, like about self care. Absolutely. And that you can still enjoy a cocktail, but care about how you feel the next morning and. Mm-hmm you know make it home safe and and all that stuff so that seems like a really great trend i'm seeing in chicago a lot actually it's huge they have full cocktail bars session cocktail bars it's amazing yeah it's something i'm considering maybe doing for um a section list what will be the cocktail list for the end of the year for us yeah 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 um cocktail trends that i can't stand (laughs) feel free to (laughs) let it say it loud and proud um i'm really anti like super cutesy and inedible garnishes Mm, yes they irritate me to no end Uh (laughs) and i as much as i love the flavor profile of a smoked cocktail i don't enjoy cocktails that are presented smoking especially in a restaurant setting yeah because you can really disturb a guest experience if that's not at all in line with your neighboring guests like flavor profiles of what they're having can right, be really it'll conflicting float over. that's true absolutely it's like fajitas and a chili so you it, don't it really need is. all of that no it's too much <laughs> but obviously on a more upscale <laughs> situation um okay so overly smoky and then just overly just not necessary garnishes that you right. can't actually enjoy and don't enhance the flavor of the drink at all i, I think that's very fair so <laughs> i agree with that 
And so I know something that you're really big about in general is inclusivity and, you know, representing females in the industry. Um, and it's something that I've talked about on this podcast quite a bit as well. Um, do you feel like it's gotten any easier in your time for females in the industry? Um, and you know, could it, could, should the word easy even be in the sentence? Like where, are, where do you think we are? Absolutely now? fucking not. Yeah. No. Yeah. I do not. I appreciate the candor. Other than the fact that I've recently switched my uniform to wearing a suit jacket, um, there have been, maybe not as much in this building, but in my past, Mm. there have definitely, I've been challenged many times as a manager. Like, when guests ask for a manager and they show at the table, they're essentially like, is there another manager? And by that, you mean a man manager. A man manager. Man <laughs> a man manager. Right, exactly. Like, Ugh. no, I can get you my owner operator, but he's going to tell you to speak to me. Right. This is just going to take longer. Right. So like, you want to do I that. Have, That's so insulting. It's, it's, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. And it's, it's, it's just real. Yeah. I just, and I, you know, I know it's naive, but the fact that it's 2018 and those questions are still being asked, like, right. where can you act, get your manager or this your boss or whoever uh, it's me i'm the boss right (laughs) but the the, just the fact that you are the boss here is sending a message Mm -hmm. and i think that that's really important especially at a place like four seasons that's that's corporate and um you know there's a lot of you know red tape to go through these things but the fact Mm -hmm. that they hired a a female lead bartender i think the first four baltimore it is i mean since i've been here is is pretty monumental so that speaks volumes and must make you feel pretty good despite the sexist <laughs> remarks you might still get. Oh, and they're there. Um, unfortunately, like any other market, you know, there's it's beyond being a woman as well. It's also being a person of color. Mm-hmm. And there's I've lived 32 years now of comments about that. And sure, they're not as like dispensed as as often as they used to be back in the day. But it's still there's still the underlining tone as it has never really dissipated. The fact that they are at all is yeah. disgusting. Yeah. So what can you do as someone who, I mean, they say to put people in charge who can make decisions and change things. So what can you do um, with your team here and, you know, making your team feel more comfortable and feel more inclusive and, and, and you know, maybe opening your guests' minds too, like how not to put all the pressure on your shoulders, but what can you, <laughs> what can you do just on a day-to-day basis? Well, I'm pretty open about where I stand uh, politically and you know, without crossing any lines, but I am never, I don't shy away from questions about my sexuality. I Mm -hmm. don't have shy away from questions about my race, like none of it. I'm very accepting, very open about all these things. And I am not, you know, this is still a a corporate position. I'm not out here waving any flags, but I certainly don't shy away. I don't shy away from it by any means. And I expect the same of my team and they deliver. It's a, it's a mixed group. There's people of color, there's, uh, you know, where there's people on the spectrum. There's, it's everyone. Yeah. I just want to fully endorse that. That's amazing. I, I just want to like shout to people that don't tolerate that. Like, this is where we're heading. This is inevitable no matter what. So right. you can be a bigot and be behind, right. or you can just, you know, get on board because right. this is where it's going and this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. And I love that you're wearing a shirt that says our future is now. And <laughs> I think that that, you know, sends a message without being overtly like, right. you know, Right. Trump's an asshole or something like right. that that could, you know. I mean, if you cons- look at, like, my social media, <laughs> which is all an open page, it's approved by both Michael Mina and Four Seasons. Like, I make my, what I believe in known, and I stand behind it full-heartedly. That's amazing. And, again, I think a testament to, you know, 
four seasons absolutely being cool with it. I and they're very great. good about um right now our leadership is almost all female the hotel manager and general manager are female that's awesome mm-hmm. it's probably why things are running as smoothly as they are <laughs> <laughs> we're trying <laughs> no men in this room so i'm just gonna say it um that's that's amazing. Well, I think I mean I just think what you're doing is great, and then also you know what you're putting on the cocktail menu is really cool and some new stuff that that I've never seen at Wit and Wisdom before. Um, so what do you have going on? I know right now we're kind of transitioning from summer to fall, which is mm-hmm. like sort of tough for cocktails. Um, you go from a lot of those bright flavors mm-hmm. into into some more fall flavors. Do you have a cocktail right now, or or maybe a couple if you want to mention that? are going to stay on that you think can make that transition over? There's some, there is a cocktail now. Um, so I'm a big believer in kind of the wellness cocktails and mm-hmm. I'm all for like the detox to retox campaign. Mm-hmm. So one of them that's staying on is the Sage Advice and that's Uncle Val. It's one of Christina's personal favorites <laughs> from PR. <laughs> she's she's doing. So it's Uncle Val's uh Botanical gin, mm-hmm. green chartreuse, lemon juice, egg whites, and uh, house-infused uh, cold steep candied uh, or sage simple syrup. Oh, wow. Um, so it's really bright, bright and really beautiful, but both that gin and sage itself are known for its like healing powers. Yeah. Um, and how do you make that simple? What's that process? Um, you choose the viscosity. I do two to one for uh, turbinado to water. Okay. And then you bring it to kind of a simmer, hit it with like almost a pound of sage leaves. Wow. And then you let that sit like basically chill down do a cold steep for I let it cold steep for 48 hours and then pull it out okay so it gives it like this really beautiful like color as well yeah yeah and probably a pretty intense flavor Mm -hmm. you know saginess saginess yeah Mm -hmm. um have the customers been excited about that one yeah it's it's a really really clean really bright beautiful drink but it's balanced enough for me to really take it I think all year round yeah um working on we just did an in-house horchata that we might do something with for Ooh. yeah some nice cinnamony notes they were probably build into maybe a rum based uh like something into the fall which would be really nice and probably yeah. carry into the holidays as well and then looking at i'm considering building an old-fashioned section and one of those i want to do like a soy reduction with salted caramel and like the whole Oh, that sounds so all good. All the way. All. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm noticing more and more there's, I mean, old-fashioned menus have been around, but, you know, mm-hmm. there's, like, spritz menus now, mm-hmm. and and it's, like, people are really diving deep into, like, specific mm-hmm. cocktail categories, which is kind of cool, because mm-hmm. you can sort of find the place you like and then go even deeper into the Absolutely. flavor you like. Um, and you've probably just named a bunch of them, but do you have any um, ingredients that you're working with right now in Wisdom, um, whether they're... So whether it be something that, you know, is made locally here in Baltimore, some really mm-hmm. cool base spirits, or just ingredients that you always kind of flock to. Um, well, one of the super secret ingredients that I often <laughs> use on bar, and to be clear, I only use this for, like, very soigné guests or friends and family. Yeah. Um, I make a saline solution from MSG. Interesting. <laughs> I don't think I've had that. That I love to build into like savory cocktails because okay. it really brings out the unctuousness as MSG is made to do and the umami like forward. So you have it all about. Do you serve it like guests can try it separately and then try it what it tastes like in a cocktail? They can if they like. Okay. Again, this isn't listed because there's so many stigmas around MSG, even right. though they are all completely false. 
Um, a lot of people don't understand that it's a naturally incurring, like, occurring ingredient. Hmm. Um, but it is super fun to work with. Interesting. Um, I'm playing around a little bit with white miso right now. Okay. Thinking about doing maybe a spritz with that. Um, I work with togarashi, rice hanu, like I work with a lot of spices on a pretty constant basis. So that, that spritz would be that as the base and then you just add, I would do it with soda water or no I would do probably uh, maybe like a soju or okay. a like a sparkling soju or a sparkling sake or like oh, sparkling wine that would be awesome to really kind of elevate the whole thing yeah <laughs> to sort of sub as like your, your Aperol or whatever yeah. would be normally mm-hmm. good that sounds so good oh my god <laughs> you're like you're just getting started here this is this is amazing all, all the things yeah um well do you want to make a couple samples of stuff and we can sort of go through and try and you can tell me maybe about your inspiration for them and, and how your background plays into it perfect Let's all right do awesome it. we'll do that next so we are back. Gina has made some lovely looking cocktails. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see pictures of them. They're so beautiful. Um, we're going to start with the sage advice because I know it's one that we talked a lot about um, during the interview. So remind people what's in sage advice and how you were inspired to make it while I take a sip. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, gin is really in a revival movement right now. And it's just, just so up and coming, just very much as like rye happened maybe a few years back. I think gin is a really big focus at this point. <clears throat> it also kind of drives my whole concept of a, well, it's not my concept personally, but a nationwide concept of uh, detox to retox, of mm-hmm. like mindful drinking and, and, and wellness. Um, Uncle Val's botanical gin is very sage and lemon heavy, sage itself being known for a lot of its healing uh, properties. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that the concept concept as a whole and the flavor profile for it will drive all the way through the entire year, 365 yeah. days. Absolutely. And it's, it ta- it tastes healthy, and I mean that in a good way. Like it tastes botanical, it and it just tastes it's like refreshing, and earthy, and um, it's a beautiful sort of mint green color. Um, and it just it it has like it, it's like a feel good cocktail because mm-hmm. you kind of feel like you're doing something healthy even when mm-hmm. you're not a little bit which I appreciate um, absolutely so this is going to be on through fall so people can come try to this whenever yeah okay. so it again it's Uncle Val's uh, gin green chartreuse which obviously has very uh, specific qualities to it that's been known for healing for how many centuries now since the monks since the monks yeah <laughs> uh, fresh lemon uh, sage and egg whites as well mm. it's delicious um, and you also made the Duck washed old fashioned, which is my one of my favorites on the menu. I don't want to pick favorites, but um, talk a little bit for people that aren't familiar with how you duck wash a spirit. What is that process like, and you know why are you kind of inspired to work with it? Okay, um, you know, uh, fat washing has really been kind of on the cocktail scene for several years now. I think we take it to a little bit of a higher level given that we introduce, for the one I made for you specifically, a uh, saline solution that is based out of MSG, which we had touched back to right, earlier. Right, right, right. So if you taste it now, the saline being introduced to the cocktail really releases and brings out the unctuousness of the duck wash or yeah. the duck fat that the bourbon is washed in. The process of it, of fat washing itself, is to bring the spirit up to a high enough temperature to incorporate it with the herbal note, which is the rosemary, and the duck fat. Once that happens, you freeze it for at least 24 hours. I'd say if you're pressed, overnight. Yeah. 
Then you thaw it out and run it all through a chinois to remove all of the fat solids. And then you have a clear spirit after, essentially, is what happens. It's amazing. I mean, what I love about, you know, fat washing in general, but this cocktail in particular, is it kind of all has one delicious note. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're getting different levels of things. It just feels like one kind of spirit in a cocktail. And it's it's just so great it's so satisfying unctuous is like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite words so i'm so glad you used that because i think it's it perfectly describes this um obviously this is going to be great all year round yeah i think i think you can have old fashions anytime really i agree yeah um wow so all of these cocktails are amazing there's some on the menu with activated charcoal and i know you're going to be rotating them in and out um for you know the next few weeks and months ahead um so thank you so much for letting me taste these and Absolutely. all this. If you just want to tell people what you guys have going on in the next couple months and how people can come find you at the bar. So we will be running a kitchen table series, which will be weekly on Wednesdays. Okay. The intention is to be presenting uh, new themes on a weekly basis. Mine will be in early October. It'll be session-based cocktails. You can find the information via Wit and Wisdom's website, also mm-hmm. Eventbrite. Christina from PR is nodding. That's all, all good. Uh, the themes will be changing weekly, and we're super, super excited. That sounds awesome. That sounds great. It sounds like a new way to sort of experience Wit and Wisdom. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And really have on some one-on-one time and really understand. And it's understand. at the chef's table? It is. In the, oh, and if, no one, if you haven't dined at the chef's table, it's really cool to just kind of like, I always get fascinated by what's going on in the kitchen mm-hmm. and seeing the inner workings and... That sounds super cool. Um, and I know you're going to be involved in the Charm City Night Market, which is this really cool event we just uh, wrote about on BaltimoreMagazine.com um, that uh, Leandro and, and Stephanie and some awesome food people in town are are putting on. Um, but you're going to be doing some, a cocktail experience there? Yes. Uh, Leandro has approached me to run a VIP bar for VIP guests there, and I'm looking very very much forward to doing that yeah and it's so the whole idea is to sort of highlight the asian american experience yes food and drink and, yes um and it's september 22nd at 4 p.m so mm-hmm. everyone should make sure to go say hi to gina there come to wit and say hi to her um and you know she's just a lovely person and i really appreciate your time and sharing your expertise with us always today. a pleasure